I'm not going to share what I shared this morning because I couldn't share it even if I wanted to. It was such an unusual flow this morning, and I didn't get to even my first verse or my first point in my sermon because the entire message was by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, by, by the gift of prophecy, and me just uh, what you may want to call a very large, long bunny trail, but it wasn't a bunny trail. It was from God. And, uh, and so I just reiterate once again, once again, I say it like a broken record, but I'm pleading with you, please, would you watch all the services in the week, not just the service you attend? Because I can't repeat what happened this morning, but if you don't hear it, you'll lose, you'll miss something very important. Because the Holy Ghost was speaking some things. I talked a bit about persecution. I talked a little bit about David Hogan and gave some stories. I shared a little bit about uh, what we've gone through with a very small measure of persecution and what God told me about that compared to what's coming and about praying and about the vision. I mean, it was just by spontaneous utterance this morning. And I can't repeat it. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't because it has to bubble up. And it bubbles up this morning, but it's not bubbling up right now. I know he wants me to preach what is in my notes this morning. So I want to encourage you, please listen. Uh, everyone, now listen, God's going to hear you, so you better not lie. <laughs> All right. Everyone say, Pastor. Pastor. I love you. I love you. Oh, one more time. That felt so good. Pastor, <laughs> I love you. I will listen to all the services, not just what I attend. Amen. Now God heard you. Hold fast your confession of faithful truth. All right, make sure you do it because you'll get some stuff that you won't get in the other services and you can't get it by osmosis. You have to hear. <laughs> you can't just rub up, rub up against Reverend Greg and say, just impart to me. No, you have to sit there and you have to listen. You know, a great place to listen is while you're driving. You know, you can pray in the spirit, you can worship, you can listen to music, but a great place is just get this on digital and just plug it into your USB. And as you're driving, just let, just let the word preach to you. Amen. Especially when you haven't been at a service and you don't know what was said, you don't want to miss some of the revelation that has come out. Praise God. I'm telling you, it will be a blessing to you. Now, this morning, I want to continue. You can put up the screen there, my brother. Amen. I want to continue. I want to continue what I said, the importance of giving ourselves continually. We're doing part two in the last part today. We talked about this a little bit last week. And last week, I talked a little bit more about the minister, the person who's like me, uh, that is how important it is for ministers to give themselves continually. Today, I want to talk a little bit more. We kind of dabbled and went back and forth in both categories. But today, uh, more, I want to talk about why it's important for you to give yourself continually. But I didn't quite finish off the minister. So let me say the last few things there. Do you remember I, I was sharing? I'm not going to read it. Let's read well, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but let's just go to Acts chapter 6. That's our theme verse. Acts chapter 6. Amen. And it says, in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. So there was a race issue there, similar to what we see happening today, because their widows were neglected in the daily menstruation. That was a ministry of helps issue, a food issue, but they turned it into a racial issue. And we talked about that last week, so I'm not getting into that again, but we talked about the skin color being the same as the bricks on your house, and that means absolutely nothing. So get over it in Jesus name. Amen. You don't demean yourself to race issues when you're born again, Christian. That, 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 that's gutter. That's gutter talk. Race issues is gutter talk because everything that I have is in Christ. And my brother right here is in Christ. And it means not, it doesn't matter what, what, what bricks color he is. We're made of one blood and we're, we're joined in the spirit and we're in Christ together. And we don't let points of distinction cause us to stumble, not gender, not financial things. Remember, it says there's no, there's no bond or free. That means that's a financial issue. Yeah, there's no male or woman, male or female. That's a gender issue. And there's no Jew or Greek. That's a race issue. We are all one in Christ. So you don't just renew your mind and get over it. And don't listen to people. I can preach to you, but if the voices out there are more in your ear than the voice of your pastor and of the Holy Ghost, you're going to start listening to the voices out there. So if you're constantly listening to YouTube and all this stuff, and you're listening to this one group, hating that group, and you're listening to this person, bad mouthing that person, and you're, and you're go, what you're doing, I know it's gross, but you are, you are sitting in the sewer and you're letting the feces wash over you. And you're saying, wow, isn't this wonderful while the feces washes over you? That's what it is. That is the sewer of the world system. And they don't think like us. They don't don't talk like us and their father is Satan and our father is God and we are in Christ in covenant and we are all one and you better start meditating on that and stop listening to all these people talking because they will get you in the carnality and they'll get you off are you with me don't get me started on the race thing because I won't stop 
but I did that last week and I need to move on. So they were there. Now the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them, verse two, and said, it is not good or reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Jenny, they didn't let the problem at hand, which was ministry of helps, people getting offended and it turned into race, but they didn't let the problem at hand, they didn't ignore it so that they could pray. And you shouldn't ignore your responsibilities as a mother so that you can pray. Right. You've got to feed your children. Husbands, you have to do your job. Women, you have to do your job. You have to clean. You have to cook. You have to live a normal life. But you don't just ignore life so that you can pray and everything is in disarray. That's not God. God does not work that way. But you can deal with your responsibilities in life without letting it rob you of your time with God. Do you see the difference? They didn't ignore it so they could pray. They said, we're going to deal with it and we're going to delegate somebody over it. It will get resolved, but we're not going to remove ourselves from what the higher thing is and try to deal with that and then lose what we've got with God. Yeah. Now in their role, see Stephen's role wasn't to spend continually in prayer. His role was to deal with the Grecians and the Hebrews. Yeah. Everybody has a different role. But the ones that were the boss and the leading the thing, they understood my role is not to, it's not that I'm too proud and it's not that I'm, that I'm arrogant, that I can't deal with it. It's not that I can deal with it, but I shouldn't deal with it because it will rob me of the higher, the higher. The higher is fasting, prayer, and waiting on God because without that, the anointing won't come properly when you stand before the people. I can counsel everybody, but I shouldn't. I can clean the toilets. And I do sometimes just on purpose, just to make sure that I stay humble. But I shouldn't, because the time it takes to do some of those things will drop me from the time as the pastor of this church. It is more valuable. That's what we're learning from this. It is more valuable for me to be in prayer and fasting and study than it is to be doing a lot of administrative work. That, but in a new church, you have to do it, otherwise you'll go under. But once the church is, remember I said last week, when the church grows from a baby into a teenager, you don't have to watch that. I don't have to watch Quinn and Cole like I have to watch Luke because they're mature. They can handle responsibility. The staff can handle some things now. The church is, where, is at another level. Ziglag was baby years. Hebron is teenage years. I can, I, have, I can afford to not come in as much all the time and to delegate more and to spend more time with God. And I'll be honest with you, Taylor, I'm getting better at it now. But I, it, was, it's so, it felt so unusual earlier this year, especially during COVID, because everything was shut. There wasn't really much to come into. It felt so unusual to have that much time and to just, okay, well, I've prayed. Now what do I do? Pray. I already did. Pray more. Okay. I prayed more. What do I do now? Pray more. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Study. Fast. Are you sure about that? Are you really sure about that? Yes. It does. It felt unusual having, because I want, my mind is working. And so I, it's, I'm telling you, Jenny, it's hard for me. You know what it's like, Jenny, because you see me. You sit there and I'm praying, but it's like, I got to get that list. What's that list? What's that list? When Jenny's not looking, Errol, 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 answer the phone. Errol, we've got to talk about seven things quickly before Jenny comes back. She thinks I'm praying. Um, now, we need to talk this and this because I just love administrating. I love it. And I'm, and I'm not that bad at it. The staff might see differently, but I don't believe I'm that bad at it. I like things organized. I want things done properly and I enjoy it. But you see the Lord, but it took me some time for the Lord to say, son, you, you don't need to, you don't need to have your thumb on every pulse. You need to trust them because they're good and they know what they're doing. What I need you to do, they're not standing up preaching to the congregation. You are. So what I need you to do is I need you to spend some more time with me. I need you to calm down, shut your mind down, quieten yourself and just get comfortable with not the rush all the time and just more time with me. But at the beginning of the church, I thrived because there wasn't that much time for that. There was so much to do and I thrived on doing the work. But now that the church is a teenager, God expects me to not do what I did before. And I'm telling you in my flesh, that's hard to do because I enjoy the high speedness of everything. But to, so it's, it's, some of you, just, they don't, you don't like high speed at all. You're on one dial and that's called slow. And you just like to sit there and that's all you've got is one speed, slow. I'm not like that. I've got slow, I've got fast, I've got super fast, hyper fast, and then I've got what I call flash fast. You know flash? I've got flash fast. That's how fast. I like to be flash fast most of the time. But I've learned with God, Jenny, you can't be flash. Flash ain't born again. Flash ain't going to bring revival. 
I can't be flash and get and, and have this revival. It takes you're going to slow down and become sloth boy. There's that movie. I don't know what the name of that movie was with that little rabbit. Zootopia, and they're at the thing, and the, zoo, and the sloth is stamping the thing, and, and I mean, and they actually do it in real time of how a sloth actually does it, and it's like six minutes of the movie, you're watching the sloth do this, and I started, I can't explain it to you, Greg, what that did to me, I actually started yelling at the screen, it was like, hurry up! Yeah, I got so upset and I know it's a cartoon and I know they're doing it on purpose. If you have never seen it, watch Zootopia. It's clean and watch the sloth scene and picture your pastor screaming at the screen because I just couldn't take that sloth movement. Now, God doesn't want me to be a sloth, but he doesn't want me to be a flash. And it's taking me time to learn to slow down and just, be, and just learn how to just... Get into that presence, stay in that presence, wait on God. But oh, it's so worth it. I'm just saying I had to kind of retrain because in the baby stage, you're doing diapers and you're running a lot. And then when you don't need to do that, sometimes you don't know what to do with yourself. There's lots to do. There's lots to study. There's lots to pray. I got reams and reams in that category, but I'm just so used to administrating. It's taking me some time. COVID's actually helped me to slow down and to reassess what is important and to let the staff do more without, without micromanaging them. And it's hard to do, but, we, but that's how you grow a church. You, gotta, you, you can't do it unless you're giving yourself continually. So they didn't ignore the responsibility. They took somebody else over it. And then watch now the key is the next verse, verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Amen? So there's distractions. Remember Pastor Nancy said the greatest ruin to preachers is distractions. There's distractions that will try to pull us away. But I've got to become, I've got, this has to have proper weight in my life. This verse 4 must have its appropriate weight in my life. If we're going to see the surge and if we're going to see the revival. Did you notice that as they multiplied in verse 1, Jenny, and in verse 4, they tell you the reason for the multiplication. It wasn't advertising. It wasn't charisma. It wasn't a jumping, bucking, and snorting or giving motivational sermons. It wasn't having smoke machines and fog machines and everything else. The reason they multiplied in verse 1 is because in verse 4, they gave themselves continually. Now, a flesh church can grow without giving yourself continually, just with stuff and with sermons that don't challenge people to live right. Then everybody will flock because they don't like to live right anyway. So they want to be around somebody that tells them that they're perfect and that everything's okay. But if you're a spirit church built on the rock of the word and Jesus said, I'll build my church. So if he's the one building your church, not you and not your ambition, if he's the one doing it, if it's a spirit church, then it, the growth doesn't always come that quickly, but it does come because God is building layer upon layer upon layer. And God cannot build a church without the minister giving themselves continually. Now, a flesh pastor can grow his church without giving himself continually because he's growing his church. But if God's growing the church through a pastor of the spirit, the pastor must yield to the boss by giving himself continually or God won't build the church. I don't see examples in the New Testament of flesh churches. I see example of spirit churches. I see this church multiplying because the minister gave himself continually. And I read you and I won't read again, but Dr. Dr. Vernon McGee, I read you a little portion last Sunday, if you watched or if you were here, and about how he talked about the, the, the high priest wears the mitre on his thing, holy Holiness under the Lord doesn't just mean not doing bad things. Holiness means separated. Holiness is as much about what you should do as about what you shouldn't do. Holiness is setting yourself apart to seek God, not just to not do bad things. And so he wore that and he had the pomegranate and he had the bells because he was going in to minister to the Lord on behalf of the people. And when they heard the bells, they knew my preacher is working for me. Now, in the New Testament, we don't have a preacher go in for us. We can all go in. But, when the, but there's still things, there's a symbolic parallel. In the New Testament, there's still things that God won't show you that he'll only give the preacher because he wants you to sit, humble yourself and listen. That's why he said, that's why he set the local church. If you could learn everything, why would you need me? You'll learn a lot on your own with Jesus, but there's some things only come through an office. So when God, when I set myself apart, that's holiness. When I set myself apart, that's, that's holiness unto the Lord. And I give myself continually and God downloads things. Then I come out to the people and I start to preach and give you what you couldn't get, but what God gave me in the Holy of Holies. What you're hearing when I preach is the bells ringing. 
because when I'm preaching, the bell is ringing. In other words, the, 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 the high priest, the pastor, the preacher is, is receiving something from God and delivering it on behalf of the people and in my case to the people because that's the system that God had in the old and that's the system that God had in the new. But when I'm preaching, there's bells ringing. And that's why he would come up and say, Pastor, you rung the bell today. Now, nobody came up to me last time. I preached that and said that. Nobody came up to me Wednesday. Nobody came up to me Friday. And nobody came up to me this morning and said, Pastor, you rang the bell today. Thank you, Jennifer. So she said, nope. <laughs> so maybe, maybe, maybe months in a while, uh, you can just say, Pastor, uh, you rang the bell today. Because you went in and you heard something from God and you came out and you gave it to me so that I could be built up and strengthened and encouraged. And you were, work, you were serving me by, by praying you were loving Jesus, but you're actually receiving something from him for me. That's a service to me. And then you came out and you delivered it to me. You might have yelled a bit. You might have hit me a little bit, but you still delivered it to me with the spirit of love. Under the anointing, yeah. thank you for ringing the bell. Yeah. You rang the bell for me. Uh, my high priest was working, was, was serving me today. That's a beautiful picture. If you heard the bells ringing, it meant your preacher was working for you. Yeah. There's a bell ringing four times a week. I encourage you, if you're not here, watch, because you don't want to miss what the bell is saying. Yeah. You don't want to miss what the Holy Ghost is saying through the preacher. Like this morning, unexpected, unannounced, no notes, by inspiration. You don't want to miss where the bell rang a certain ring this morning that is not being repeated this afternoon. You don't want to miss that bell, so make sure you listen, because the bell was ringing. Praise God. I love, I love Jenny. I love that beautiful, it's like poetic, uh, the poeticness of God in the Old Testament. And see, everything is Jesus. Jesus, watch, Jesus is the high priest. When he was on the cross, the bell was ringing for me. When Jesus rose from the dead, the bell was ringing for me because he worked for me. He went in, he went to hell for me. The bell was ringing in hell for me. He became born again so that I could follow in his footsteps. He is my high priest ever interceding. The bell is still ringing in heaven for me. Jesus as my high priest stands to the Father and says, I come on their behalf. I come on their behalf, Father. These are your people. These are washed in my blood. He's ringing the bell for me today. And the little mini preacher, he's the chief. I'm the under shepherd. The little under shepherd rings a smaller bell every time the service is on. But the big bell is being rung in heaven. I love, I love the Bible and it's poetic the way that God did. He's so masterful at it. So remember, remember what Dr. McGee said that he would tell people, his elder told him, um, don't come and visit me on Saturday night. You need to go and pray because I'm struggling in my business, doctor. And I need a word from God. I don't need you to be up on a dog and pony show and just calling me about Reader's Digest. I need God to have downloaded something to you so that you say it under the anointing to me so that my life is... I need help this week. So make sure you ring the bell and don't just waste your time all week. I need you in the Holy of Holies, preacher. I need you getting answers from God. So when you come out, I have, I have what I need to live my life of victory. Do you see that? That's what giving yourself continually is all about. And then, of course, not coming in as often makes me nervous because what are the staff doing? Should we set up cameras? He said, don't do that. What are we doing? What are we doing? But he said, remember, I told you about John Osteen walking the halls of his church, praying in the Holy Ghost. And if there's a problem, he just says, that's the problem in that office. And he goes in until he finds a problem and he deals with it because the Holy Ghost watches everybody all the time, whether they realize it or not. I don't need to spy on people. The Holy Ghost is watching you. Do you understand? And he'll give people a lot of leeway to repent and to make things right before he ever tells the preacher. But I can pastor by the Spirit is what I'm trying to say, not just always micromanaging every second of every day. Because if we're going to have the move of God, Errol, if we're going to see verse 1, the multiplication of the believers, we've got, I've got, and people have got to give themselves continually. We've also got to be aware that the devil, as multiplication starts, will cause division, strife, and try to bring in problems and race issues. And we've got to be skillful to deal with that so that we don't let it ruin and split the church. Amen. A lot of things will happen as you start to multiply. So that's why I'm preaching about this because he said a surge is coming. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me give you a little quote here. Put that up on the screen. And Pastor Nancy said these words and it really blessed me. As we give ourselves, it will help us to step into a greater place in the spirit. Giving yourself continually, and I'm talking preachers now, but giving yourself, a minister giving themselves all the time, they'll step into a greater place of the spirit. Why? Because the more you're waiting on God, the more you're praying, the more you're in the spirit, the deeper you're going to go in the spirit. Then when you're, when you're standing there, there'll be more gifts of the spirit. There'll be more revelation of the spirit. Be, the word will be richer. The power will be greater. Everything works when the minister is doing what he's supposed to be doing. Amen. 
And I am, but there's, there's, I have further to go. That's why I'm preaching for your sake and for my sake. Amen? We both have further to go, Jenny, but we're doing it. Praise God. We needed to have the proper weight. Pastor Nancy told me a minister uh, that she, she heard about that he tried everything. I mean, he tried everything he knew to do. He had a small church and it wouldn't seem to grow. Nothing would grow. Nothing would grow. He tried everything. He tried this thing, that thing. He tried to go to the church, grow seminars. He tried to implement other people's visions. Nothing would work. He, and he was a good administrator anyway, so he wasn't like a slob. Nothing would work. And so he started to talk to God about it. God, what is the answer? What is the answer? Why will nothing work in my church? And this is what God's answer was. You're spending the time. You're not spending the time on what brings the success. You're spending your time on everything else. And then the Lord said to him, give me the first half of every day and I'll take care of the second. So he started praying seven hours a day. From the time he got up early in the morning till about 11, 12 o'clock, he just fasted and prayed every day, seven days a week, except when he was preaching. And the rest of the day, he did his little bits of this administrative and his church started to explode and now it's 12,000 people. Now we're not after numbers, we're after the plan of God. Not, the God's plan is not for every church to grow that large because some pastors don't have that grace on them. Yeah. I'm just saying that he was trying everything in the mental arena, administrative arena, every area. You know, there's a lot of natural things you can do. Nothing worked and God said, you're not doing what brings the success. In other words, admin and this and all these strategies and all these books and all these seminars, they don't bring the success. What brings the success is me. So give yourself to me. Not just born again, give yourself continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, like verse four says, and he did. And God started growing the church instead of him growing the church. I have sense, Jenny, that that's what's gonna happen in, uh, with us. Because I don't really know how to do it. I don't really know what to do. All I know is that I have to be faithful and do what I'm doing and increase what I'm doing. I believe if I give myself continually, God will start supernaturally causing this to grow. And at that right time, remember he said, there's nothing, 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 nothing. And then all of a sudden, from one day it wasn't there, the next day it's there. And there'll be a mighty surging forward. That's why we have our little bracelets. Don't forget to wear them. And more importantly, don't forget to say it. Father, a dramatic influx of divine joinings. And we surge forward. But that won't work, no matter how much you wear the bracelet and no matter how much you say it. It won't work if I'm not doing this. So pray for me that I will do it. And do whatever you can to facilitate that. I, ha I have to counsel people, but I shouldn't counsel everybody because then I, I won't do that. I need time with my family, but I shouldn't have that. I shouldn't have so much time with my family that I don't do that. Do you understand? I need extracurricular, but I shouldn't have so much extracurricular that I don't do that. In other words, everything is, has its place, but that is first. Praise God. Now, I'm not telling you what it is, but I'm working on something big. It's an airplane. And instead of the passenger sitting behind me, there's like little sleeves along the plane, the wing, and one that Greg sits in one sleeve, he's tied down, he's got a mask. And as I'm flying, he can wave at me and talk to me on a walkie-talkie. And, and I've got six congregation members that can go on the sleeve uh, on the plane. And that's the big project I'm working on because I'd like you all to travel with me. And if you believe that, I have Swampland in Florida at a great price that I want to sell you. No, but I am working on something, and, uh, and part of the purpose of this thing, we'll, we'll know in a couple weeks uh, once it works. I won't say if it works, I'll say once it works by faith, because our angels are working on it. It's going to take a miracle, but our angels are working on it, because angels know how to get miracles done. But when that does work, uh, part of it is going to help facilitate my time with God. It's going to help the congregation, but it's going to help this. It's going to help this. Because God is very smart and he knows that sometimes you need natural things to assist you with spiritual things. And when I've got four dogs, four, four, four dogs, four kids and a dog and a, and, a, and a beautiful wife, if she was a little uglier, it would be a lot easier in my life. You know, don't ever pray for a beautiful wife because you're just distracted all the time. Just pray for ugly wife and then you're never distracted. But I prayed for a beautiful wife and God gave me one and then made her more beautiful every day that passes. It's called brownie points. Write it down. Write it down. That's what you do. Taylor, write notes. That's what you do. And so I need some natural things to help me because of the many distractions that are around me. Anyway, moving right along. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, Jesus said to Dad Hagen, remember he was supposed to be called John. His mama ran away in fear before she heard Jesus say the name. 
She didn't hear the name. I always thought that she heard the name and she disobeyed, but she actually never heard the name. And, and then when Jesus took him up in 1959 to the throne of God, I mean, oh my Lord. And the heavenly father is sitting on his throne a few feet away from Kenneth Hagin. And Jesus is standing in front of him and he said, don't look at him. He wasn't allowed to gaze upon the father. He said, look at me. I don't know if I would have obeyed. I think I would have, I think I would have snicked, snuck a peek once in a while, brother. I'm telling you. But Jesus, <laughs> that's why I'm not up there. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, but Jesus, Jesus said, kneel down, put out your hands. He put his fingers in and the fire jumped between. He talked about his anointing to heal, healing ministry and all that stuff. And then he said, and it was not as important that you weren't named that because he was the forerunner and he was supposed to be named John after John the Baptist. He said, it's, that's not the important thing that you, that the name wasn't named right. He said, the important thing is that you minister in the power of the spirit. Amen. In other words, God is not legalistic and because your name's not right, it's going to ruin your life or because your family's not right, or because this is not right. What God cares about is that you minister in the power of the Spirit. So that is what we're after. That is what I'm after. It doesn't matter if, if everything else is perfect in the natural. What God matters to God is that we're doing what he wants us to do in terms of the ministry of the Spirit. And so did Brother Hagin minister in the power of the Spirit? I think if anybody knew him, uh, he did. And then what was the key then? If he ministered in the power of the Spirit, which was fulfilled the will of God, what, was, what did he accredit it to, Reverend Taylor? What did he say? We know that Jesus told him, make sure you minister in the power of the Spirit. That's your success. And he did. And he had a worldwide ministry. But what did he accredit the, this ability to minister in the power of the Spirit to? Uh, he said these words. Uh, when asked, and Pastor Nancy as well as others asked him, uh, what do you attribute the success of your worldwide ministry to? Dad Hagen always said the same answer. I pray hours in the Spirit every day. He didn't say, I'm a great preacher. He didn't say, I've, I can write a lot of books. He didn't say, I've got a lot of money, or I've got a jet, or I've got a Bible school, or any of that. He didn't even say, he didn't even say, Jesus put something in my hand, and, no. and that's why I have a great ministry. What did he say? He, what did he say? He said, I give myself continually to the Word, the ministry of prayer, and the ministry of the Word. That's what he attributed his entire success to. It wasn't seminars, and it wasn't advertising, and it wasn't, and there's a place for all of that. But his, his attribution was, I pray for hours every day in the Spirit. Why? And it's not just about praying in tongues. It's about walking in the Spirit. It's about getting in that flow of God. And he found that place. See, I'm not Brother Hagen, but I'm, I'm, on, I'm after finding that place. And I'm learning, and listen, if you're like me, and you've got a busy mind, like a little beehive, it might be hard for you to slow down. But if you ever want to learn the things of God, you've got to slow your mind down. You've got to quieten your mind. You've got, to, you've got to put aside all the distractions, all the electronic devices, all the needs and all the voices around you. And you've got to tuck away for some time every day with just the Lord. And you've got to spend time and put him first. If you don't do that, you'll have a busy life and probably a good life, but you'll never truly be a spiritual person. Are you with me? Kenneth Hagin prayed. He didn't say how much. You know why he didn't say how much? Because he knew that people are a bunch of weirdos. And then they're going to make a new doctrine on the number of hours that he spent in prayer. Because some people idolized him. You shouldn't idolize anybody. We idolize Jesus. But we respect those that have taught us. But we don't idolize them. They're not on a platform. They're not on a pedestal. And so we don't make new doctrines out of something that he prays X number of hours. That's why he wouldn't tell people. Because it wasn't about the hours. It was about the heart. It was about the heart to seek God. Do you understand? Now, Jonathan Edwards, who had the, one of the greatest revivals in American history back in the 1700s, uh, he was asked, what do you attribute your success? And I mean, he had revival. Like, you study church history, he was one of the greatest revivalists that ever lived. Wow. Jonathan Edwards down in the United States in the 1700s. And uh, he said, I spend 13 hours every day praying and studying. 13 hours a day praying and studying, and then he preached on top of that. He wore, and I see there's wisdom here. He, he prayed and studied so hard and then preached so vigorously that he died young because his, he physically wore his body out prematurely because he put so much pressure on his body. If you study his life, he died very young because he couldn't, his body couldn't handle the pressure. So, see, there's some wisdom. Pray 13 hours a day, praise God, and then preach on top of that. But if you don't eat right and sleep right and exercise right, you are going to be in the ground in your 30s and 40s. Yeah. Now, you see, he should have been more aware of that, but you see, nobody was teaching him the balance. All they taught him was, if you seek God with all your heart, people will get saved. And he said, well, I want people to get saved, so I'm going to seek God with all my heart. And all his heart was 13 hours a day. Yeah. 
And look what happened. People got, look at the small line amount of time that he lived with the impact he had. Now that wasn't God's highest and best, but it shows us that taking time with God is the key. When asked Charles Wesley, the great uh, theologian, uh, back again in England, you know, his brother, Charles Wesley, and he had another br brother as well, the two Wesley brothers. When he, when he asked what his, uh, what his key to ministry was, he said the same thing. And he said he lamented when he was in his 80s that he could only do 15 hours a day studying the word. Wow. He was upset at that. When his 80s, he had to slow down because his body couldn't handle it anymore. But he told the person that did his biography that he was disappointed that he had to reduce his hours of studying and writing because that was one form of ministry. He would write books. Just like I preach, some people write books. He was disappointed. He had to lower, reduce that to 15 hours a day because he said that was, that was, he was ashamed of that. 15 hours a day? Was it ashamed? What was he doing in his strength? 17 hours, 18 hours. When did he sleep? When did he have golf? When did he go for golf? Well, maybe he didn't go for golf. When did he play Xbox? Maybe they didn't have Xbox. When did he walk through the tulips and smell the flowers? I don't think he had any time because he had given himself to prayer and to Bible study. And look at the impact that he had. I'm trying to show you parallels. People are not, they're not successful in God's sight unless they do this. William Seymour, the great Azusa Street revivalist in 1907, you remember him, the black man with one eye who, who was spirit, John Lake's spiritual father and many other ministers. And he prayed for two years, five hours a day while he worked as a waiter in a restaurant. He would work all day. He'd come home. He'd pray five hours a day. He did that for two years. And then for three more years, he prayed seven hours. After two years, God said, you're not praying enough. He said, you're praying enough for this, but if you want what I've got for you, you need to pray more. So he upped it to seven hours a day with a full-time job. And then all of a sudden, after five years of that, revival broke out. So don't tell me that you can twist God's arm because you've got a degree. Yeah. Or because, what well, I'm a Canadian. I mean, I, <laughs> look, at, look how much I love you. No, no. With God, there's no way except giving yourself continually. That's the way he does it. I'm preaching this to you because it's helpful for me, but you also need to know that that's the DNA of our church. That now, let me talk a little bit more about you. Put this quote up. This really blessed me. Mom said this to me, that my, my spiritual mom. She said, start every day in the spirit and then keep your heart turned toward me all day long. Remember that, remember that what God told her about the minister that fell into sin? And she said the temptation must have been so great. And he said, no, it wasn't the devil. And it wasn't the temptation that was the issue. Temptations are always great, but temptations are not strong enough to take you. They're not the problem. The devil's not the problem. Sin is not the problem. The problem is you. The problem is you didn't start every day in the spirit and then keep your heart turned toward me for the rest of the day. Greg, if we would just start every day worshiping him, loving him, focusing on him, and then all the way through the day at different times, and don't be religious about it. It doesn't have to be on the hour, every hour, but as you go about your day, whenever you can steal a minute, turn your heart toward him. Oh, Jesus, I just want you to know I love you so much. You know, I was thinking about your word and you look it up. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Give me some more revelation on that, Father, while I'm working today. And then you go right back to your work. Father, I just I worship you today. I love you. I pray. Lord, you put this face up before me while I was working. I stole away. Now I've got a couple minutes. I pray for this person at Promise of Life. Their face keeps coming up. I don't know what's going on with them, but I cover them with the blood and I start to pray out the perfect way and you start interceding for them in tongues and then you go right back to your work. See, that's called keeping your heart turned all day long. See, some people, they start Reverend Sander, they don't think about Jesus again until the next morning. That's not, that's that you're a Christian, but you'll never be spiritual. Are you with me? Are you still okay? Yes. Let me say this to you. Whatever you start your day with, you will tend to continue your day with. Yes. If you start your day with a rush, your day will be rushed. If you start your day and that's all you think about is working out, that's what your day is going to be about. Whatever you start is typically what you will tend to continue throughout that day. That's why David said, early will I seek thee. It's important you start your day right with God. Don't wait till the night when you're tired. Then, then the day's already passed. You don't need any counsel from God. Then you're going to sleep. Start in the morning because everything's ahead of you. 
What you start, you tend to continue. If you start in the Spirit, you'll find that flow will govern the rest of your day. Start in the Spirit, and the flow of the Spirit will govern the rest of your day. And some days are busier than others, are more stressful than others, are harder than others. Some are easier than others. Some days you'll have more time with God. Some days you'll have less time with God. But start your day with Him, and let that flow govern the rest of your day. And you'll find you'll turn into a very spiritual person. Now, Jesus said to my mom these words. This is powerful. Oh, my God, I hope you're listening. Jesus said these words to Pastor Nancy. Put it up now. He said, I'm not endeavoring to get you to pray for hours in tongues every day. I'm endeavoring to get you to live in the spirit every day. But you've reduced it to just praying in tongues. Now, that is a sledgehammer, my brother and sister. Now you say, but that's a, that, that, that you're, you're, you're going against yourself because you just said, Brother Hagen said that his, his success was, I pray for hours a day in the spirit. Yes, but Brother Hagen, he also said repeatedly, everything is about living in the spirit. But he is telling people, if you want to learn to live in the spirit, pray in the spirit. So he is saying, putting an emphasis on prayer, but the emphasis is not only on prayer. I've prayed in the spirit for hours a day and still not lived in the spirit. I think some of you have. Don't reduce this legalistically. Are you listening to me, my brother and sister? I'm talking to you now. I'm not talking to the preacher. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to my congregation. Once in a while, say amen. amen. Say it again because you're, you're a little bit tired today. Did you all sleep in last night? Anyway, you were up late? Don't, don't, just don't admit it, Sue. I mean, if you were up late, don't tell me you were up late. Praise God, Sue. Yes, I was. <laughs> well, thank God for honest people. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is endeavoring to get the con me to do this, but you in your measure and your grace to do this. And your measure and grace may be different to mine, but he still wants you to give yourself continually. You ask, how do I give yourself, myself continually? It's not legalism about, I got to pray three hours a day. Although some days you may pray three. Some days you may pray one. Some days you may pray four. It's not the legalism about the number because then I'm telling you, I've done it over the years and then you fix yourself on that number and the legalism and the, and the I have to get that number, I have to get the number and there's no peace unless you get that number and it sucks the life out of everything God was trying to do in you. It's not the legalism of the hours. It's about learning to walk in the spirit but walking in the spirit requires hours. Can I say it that way? It's not about the hours. It's about learning to be in the spirit. But being in the spirit does require some hours. Amen. So Kenneth Hagin was emphasizing the hours, but his main thing was emphasizing live life in the spirit. Yeah. Let me read it again. I'm not endeavoring to get you to pray for hours in tongues every day. I'm endeavoring to get you to live in the spirit every day. But you've reduced it to just praying in tongues. Pray in tongues, but don't make it the legalism. Yeah. It will suck the life out of you, I'm telling you. I've done it. I've prayed for three hours a day, four hours a day, many times. But I found myself, Jenny, it almost like it became a burden to me. And I remember Keith Moore told some ministers when I was in the room, he said, anything that's not light and easy and anything that's a burden is not the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Because God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. If it's not joy and peace, light and easy, you're missing it somewhere. And my prayer time, even though it was hours a day, was turning into a burden. And so I went to God and I said, if this is, if things that aren't light and easy are not from you, why is my, I thought my prayer life was from you and I, he didn't answer me. But the next time I was with Pastor Nancy, she answered me. God answered me through her and she said that statement. In other words, that's my answer. It's not that God doesn't want me to pray for hours, but it's not about the number of hours. It's about learning the flow of the spirit for my day. And some days I'll do a lot of praying and some days I may do more studying than praying. And other days it might be a little bit of this or a little bit of that. But God is endeavoring me not to get legalistic with a number. He wants me, doesn't, don't reduce it to a number. Learn him, love him, want to be with him. It's not about an hour or two or three or five. It's about being with him and learning him. He said, Mary has chosen the good part. It will not be taken away. You're running around, Martha, like, like a chicken with your head cut off. I appreciate you pouring the lemon in and I appreciate you vacuuming the rug. But that is not the most important thing. She is spending time with me. That's what matters. Amen. And that's what God is looking from us. Yes. 
Praise God. In other words, it's not legalism about tongues. It's about a life in the spirit. Then, then Pastor Nancy heard another minister tell about this lady. I said it, but I'll say it again. Who was, who was very busy, lived out in Wyoming somewhere on a ranch, no neighbors, just in the bushes. Her husband was a rancher out there working hard hours. That's hard, hauling bay, hay bales and milking cows. Hey, have you ever milked a cow? I've milked a cow. Taylor, have you ever milked a cow? I'm going to make you do a field trip. Milking cows are hard. I milked one cow, my hand almost seized up. It's hard to milk a cow. Sorry, it just is. Have you ever met some of these young people? We need to take them on a trip, not to Wonderland, cow milking trip. I don't want them on the world coast, I want them milking a cow. I want them to see how hard those farmers work. Now, I know they have electronic machines now, but back in the old days, you did it by hand. <laughs> and that ain't fun. <laughs> I'm telling you, that ain't a fun job. I've caught chickens before. That ain't not fun either. And I've milked cows. My God, what a life. Hallelujah. Anyway, get back on point. I don't know what I was talking about. This guy, the rancher, he's got a hard life. Her husband's working really hard. It's, it takes a strong man to do that kind of work and not always get a big salary from it because whatever you sell, you get as a farmer. You don't sell, you don't get. I don't, I don't envy farmers. They have a hard life. Thank God for them. We wouldn't have food. And so she, she was out. Her job was to take care of eight children. That's a lot of children. I'm surprised I had so many children. I'm surprised I have time for children when he's working so hard. Eight children. She's got to cook. She's got to clean. And she don't have no washing machine. She, well, I don't know if she does or not, but I'm assuming she didn't. I don't know. Maybe she was doing it by hand. Maybe she wasn't. But with eight kids, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot, it's a lot. Right, Jenny? And God, and a minister was telling Pastor Nancy about this lady out in the back country of where, wherever it was, Wyoming, wherever it was, on this isolated ranch. A lot of work, hard manual labor, day in, day out, day in, day out, boring, mundane. But you know what that lady would do? See, she was so much more skillful than many of us with all our highfalutin things. While she was doing the things on the line, the laundry, she was singing in the spirit. And then she'd deal with that problem, deal with that. And then she'd go to do the cooking. And while she's chopping the thing, she's praying in the Holy Ghost. And then she goes in there and she's dealing with that children, fighting with that kid and cleaning the bloody nose and doing that. But while she's doing that, she's meditating on the word. And all day long, despite her menial job, despite all the responsibilities, which can get very boring if you've ever done it. <laughs> and there's no neighbors and there's no, there's no, you know, socialization and all the stuff that as humans we feel we need. But she would just stay in the spirit amidst all of her work. She learned to stay in the spirit, stay in the spirit. She learned to stay walking in the spirit despite the mundanity of her daily routine. This is a challenge, my brother and sister, but it's what God requires. So God said to this minister who was talking, told Pastor Nancy, so this is another minister that God spoke to and God said to this other minister and then this minister told Pastor Nancy who told me and some other ministers in a group when she was talking to us recently. And, this, and God said to this other minister, put it up for me, he said, she has many duties and responsibilities in life but she holds herself in the spirit throughout the day. Now what got me, Reverend Greg, was the word holds. Just like you hold a phone, you can hold yourself in the spirit. Things will try to pull you away from the spirit, but you can choose to hold yourself in the spirit. How do you hold yourself? It's not about just tongues. It's about the whole flow of God, worshiping him, then tongues and the word and intercession and this and studying and writing and doing the whole flow. It's holding yourself. See, to Arrow, we've missed it. We've tried to get people to pray for five hours because the greats tell us that you've got to pray, but it becomes legalistic and it draws the life out of it. What we need to tell people is hold yourself in the spirit. That will require much time in prayer, but every day might look a little different than the other day because it's not about the legalism of a number of hours. It's about a heart yearning for God, wanting God, saying, Father, I keep my head turned. I keep my heart turned all day long at different times towards you. That is holding yourself in the spirit. I want to learn to be skillful more than becoming a better preacher, more than money, more than a new church building, more than anything. I'm telling you, the cry of my heart is to become more skillful at holding myself in the spirit all day because that is what God is looking for. That is what, Pastor Nancy said a great statement. She said, our heroes aren't just good preachers. 
Our heroes are people that knew how to walk in the Spirit. Not all our heroes, Greg, are the greatest preachers in the world. They're not all the most silver-tongued theologians. They're not all the best deliverers of the Word, but they knew God and they knew how to hold themselves in the Spirit. They knew how to walk in the Spirit. My heroes, it's not just about a preacher. Now let's, let's take this with David. David is one of my greatest heroes. Not David Hogan, David, David, King David. But you know why? Because David had a heart after God's own heart. Now listen, David had faith to kill a giant. That's what he did. A lot of people, they fall in love with ministers because of what they do. They preach, they pray for the sick, they do things. But it's not just about David's killing the Goliath or the preacher's preaching that, we, that, is, that makes them our hero. David, for much more than the Goliath episode, had a heart that was, first of all, very intimate with God because he was constantly singing and writing psalms and fellowshipping with God, which means he understood what we would call in the New Testament understanding the ways of the Spirit. Yeah. And also, David had a very humble heart and whenever God corrected him, he was very quick to quickly repent, pull the weed out like I preached a little while ago and not let weeds grow up in his heart. So what is my hero is not just the, day, the Goliath thing because of what he did, but because of who he was. His living meant more to me than his doing. She said, our heroes are not just the great doers and the great preachers, it's the people that knew God. I, when I look at Dad Hagen, yes, he taught me, yes, he miracles and all this wonderful stuff, but he knew God in a way that I want to know God. Do you understand? David knew God and he was humble before God and he, God loved him and poured out of his heart into his heart. That's what gets me, but he also had a heart of faith and took off the head of a giant. So from one perspective, he was a great doer, but of another perspective, he was a great liver. Do you understand? And our goal is not just to do all this stuff for God and be great preachers and heal the sick and you doing your stuff for God. It, do your stuff for God. He wants you to do it. Goliath is in the Bible. Being a king is in the Bible. But there's something greater than just doing the ministry of helps or sowing the big seed or preaching or healing the sick. That's what we do. But who are we? Do we live for God? Your doing is as far outweighed by the amount of time you're living. Do you live? Do you know him? Do you know him by the spirit? Do you love him? Do you spend time with him? Is your heart toward him? Are you humble? Are you pure before him? See, that living is just as important as the doing. And that's why our heroes aren't just the great doers, but they're the great knowers. They're the great livers. They've lived for God. They know God. That's why David is a great man, because he knew God. That's why he's the greatest king. Read the Bible. Read all those kings that came after him. Look at how many of them displeased God. Because they weren't humble. They didn't know him. They might have had a big kingdom and got rich, but they didn't know him. How are you going to know him? You've got to give yourself continuity. I know we're done now. I can see some of you looking at your, your watch. I want to say one more point. Put that up, please. It's very important. You cannot live life rushed and live in the Spirit. Pastor Nancy taught me that. She said, Pastor Craig, things are so busy. If you live life rushed, you will never live in the Spirit. And I can't tell you how much that's helped me. Because have you noticed when you're rushed and when things are disorganized and time management's not done right and everything is... <laughs> Listen, the worst thing you can do is leave late from your house because the entire trip you can't enjoy God because you're rushing. And now you're looking for cops everywhere to hope that none of them are hiding in the bushes going to give you a ticket because you know you're breaking the law. I've done it. You've done it. So don't judge me. The best thing you can do is not be rushed because if you can just have that ex, my wife is very, she's helped me with this. She's really taught me this because I always have things to the last minute. And she said, Craig, uh, rushed is not good, Craig. You're, you're driving faster than you should. You're, in a, you're, in a, you're, you're uptight. You get there uptight. Why don't you just give yourself an extra few minutes and enjoy the process and worship God and talk to God and be at peace? Yeah. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you, this is very practical, but you, you're not organized. You say, but I didn't think organization had anything about life of the Spirit. Oh, it has a lot to do with life of the Spirit. If you don't even know where your finances are at and you don't know if you're in debt or not, you're not going to be able to enjoy God and have God speak to you because you're just going to be thinking constantly about your debts and about this and I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know if the bills are paid. Organization, time management, doing things in the natural to not live a, a, on, the, on the edge of your seat life. Are you with me? 
I'm almost finished. You cannot live life rushed and live in the spirit. I hope that helps you because it helped me. God was meaning you can't be disorganized and have too much on your plate. Listen to me. Sometimes it's better to have your child do without the extracurricular activity. Even though you want to increase their, 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 their scope of art and their scope of the richness of life, which is good. But if that thing makes your plate so full, you'll never live a life in the spirit. I'm not saying rob your children of an enriched life, but I'm saying you better make sure your priority is not their richness, but it's your living in the spirit is more important than whether they've done every team and every this and every that. And there's an imbalance where now you can rob your children because now you're, you understand? There's ditches on both sides. Don't go in the ditch. But what I'm saying is some parents, they, they work so hard and their plate is so full and their heart is right because they want their kids to have more than they had. But what they don't realize until 20 years later, and, and their life has passed them by that they gave up a life of the spirit for a full plate don't, don't look back and regret because you tried to do so much for this or you tried to work three jobs so you'd have the extra money to buy a nice a Mercedes instead of a, 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 of a Honda well the Mercedes is nice but uh, you can also use your faith you don't have to have so much on your plate that life is overwhelmingly tiring and that you're rushed all the time you'll never enter the spirit the way God wants you to. I'm not saying don't have the Mercedes. I'm just saying put it in the right perspective. The most important thing is life in the spirit. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. your, the order of your day must facilitate living in the spirit. The order has to be determined by you and the Holy Ghost, not anybody else. I can't tell you how to facilitate the moving of the spirit. You've got to figure that out, Reverend Sandy. Reverend Greg, your life is different to Sandy's. Your responsibilities are different. I can't tell you, you're going to do this, you're not going to do that. You've got to determine with the Holy Ghost, how am I going to facilitate my life in the spirit today and, and not be legalistic about it and not comparing yourself to other people. Because not everybody has your, your responsibilities or the pressures on you. Are you with me? You see how individualized God is? He's not going to say to you, Willie, listen, you, Willie, you're, you're retired. You've got more time. God will probably expect more from you than he will Jessica, who's my personal assistant and who is very, very busy and very tired most of the time because I work her so hard and I, but I also give her lots of time off and I love her and she's a great blessing to me. But when, you're, when you've got a lot on your plate, and then somebody does not have as much on their plate. God's expectation may be different for different people. But don't ever have too much on your plate because it will rob you of your time. Don't ever be disorganized. That rushed life will rob you of your time. Are you understanding? Religious people implemented an order that hindered the Holy Ghost. Remember, they wouldn't let Jesus heal on the Sabbath. You must learn to implement an order in your life with the Holy Ghost that will facilitate the Spirit of God. Amen. Let me say this before I close. Not living frantic and on the spur of the moment with disorganization, but in a way that lets you follow the order of the Spirit. Yes. Pastor Nancy said to me, there's so many people that I've seen over the years, take her advice, she's been a pastor longer than me. She said, there's so many people I've seen that are frantic. Yes. Everything is <sighs> frantic, edge of your seat, spur of the moment, disorganized, too much on your plate. They're taking more responsibility on, they can't even handle what they've got. They're committing things here. They haven't even finished what they've done here. They're starting businesses there. They don't even know what they're doing. And everything is just chaos. You can't live a life of the Spirit. It would be better to strip all that away and not be so ambitious and not have so much going on and, not, and get organized with the little that you do have. Get it very organized and in a divine order and then learn to flow with the, wind, the windings and the balances of the Holy Ghost every day and learn to be a person of the Spirit. It's not about how many hours you pray. It's about being a person of the Spirit. Are you with me? Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray hours, but because being a person of the Spirit requires hours. But it's not about the legalism that you beat yourself up. I didn't pray three hours today. I'm a failure. No. Did you learn a bit more about Jesus that day? Did you fall in love with him? Were you thinking about him all day long? It wouldn't matter if you prayed 10 minutes of that day in tongues. If your heart was turned toward him, he's pleased. And as you go, he will have you grow longer in the hours of prayer. But it's not about that. It's about knowing him. It's about living a life in the spirit. You say we want to continually give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. I've got to do it. But you've got to learn to be skillful at it too. Praying, knowing God, becoming spiritual people. Oh my, then I, ne I never have to ask you to show up to church. 
I'd never have to ask you to tithe. We could just skip the entire mini tithing thing every Sunday. Wouldn't matter because you know God. Now we have to do it because there's always new people coming that don't know God. And that if they think they know God, they really don't because they don't know his word. So we have to keep teaching them. But the majority of the core people shouldn't need that every Sunday. And I think, don't think most of them do. It just reinforces and strengthens their, un, and their, gives them encouragement. Like today, pour yourself out in faith and God will turn the lesser to the greater. That's a word of encouragement. But most of you are already tithing. You don't need that to correct you. You need that to encourage you. But I have to do it because there's always some people watching and coming that don't believe in that. So this will help them grow in it. Praise God. We want to become spiritual people. I can't say what I said this morning, but I'm telling you, there was a lot that came out in the 10 o'clock service by the Holy Ghost. I'm pleading with you to listen to the bell that rung at 10 o'clock so that you stay uh, uh, keeping pace with what the Spirit is saying to our congregation. The Spirit said some things to our congregation at 10 o'clock. Keep pace. Listen to the bell that was ringing. He's saying more stuff today that's different. But right now, keep pace. Don't be rushed. Don't be disorganized. Don't have too much on your plate. Don't live frantic. Don't get hung up of the hours and be legalistic. Learn to love Jesus. Learn to turn your heart toward him. Stay in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Learn that flow. It's a wonderful flow. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 I said to David once, David, I mean, he has more miracles than any human being I've ever heard of. He's raised how many people from the dead? 26 now? 28 personally, hundreds in his ministry. I mean, every, he just went to Africa and an angel appeared that looked like David. I mean, he's got the strangest things that happened in his ministry. An angel appeared that looked like David, but he was older, but he had David's facial features and this long beard. And he was shining and they called him the shining man. And he is now showing up to villages before David gets there and saying, and he's shining. He's an angel. They know he's an angel. They don't think he's a human. And he says, a man is coming to bring you a message. Listen to him. And they're waiting and they're waiting. He tells me story after story. They're waiting. They're waiting for the shining man to come. And then David comes and they don't know David is the one the shining man's talking about till they look at his face because he looks like the angel. And they receive his message because the angel looks like him and they all get born again. There are so many things in the realm of the spirit that we have yet to touch that we don't even know about. There's so much in God. We barely scratch the surface. And I, I just respect David. He doesn't know. He doesn't agree with every doctrine that we agree with, but he loves God and he's got the power of God. He's got signs and wonders. You can't argue with that. And I said, David, how much do you pray, brother? How much do you pray? I'm looking, see, immature. I'm looking for a number. I'm looking for a formula. You know what he looked at me? He said, there is no formula. I just love him with every ounce of my being. What does he mean? I'm with him as often as I can and for as long as I can. And it's not about a formula or a number of hours. I just am. And he gets up in the morning, he puts his running shoes on, he runs 20 kilometers. He runs. And while he's running, he's got his earbuds in and he's listening to the Bible constantly. He gets back, he prays, he fasts, he worships God for two hours. He then he goes off and does it, comes back. It's just every day he's constantly looking for time with Jesus. It's not a formula. It's not a number of hours. It's walking in the spirit. And that's why God is with him the way he is. Praise God. Does it equate to many hours? Yes, but it's not about the hours. It's about the heart. So don't make prayer legalism to you. Make it a heart thing to you. Fall in love with Jesus all over again because he's so wonderful. If you get around him, he'll get addictive. You won't want to leave him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these precious people today. I've done the best job I know to do, Father, in sharing with them these few thoughts about giving ourselves continually to the ministry of prayer and the word. Lord, I need to do it if we're going to see what you've called us to see. They need to do it if we're going to see what you've called us to see. We're a team. We work together. It's not just me and it's not just them. We're working together. And I thank you for it, Father. I give you praise. I thank you that our congregation is going from glory to glory. That, Lord, they are hungering after you, not out of a legalism, not out of an obligation, not with a formula, not with just a lot of hours, but they are searching in their heart to find that sweet flow of the Spirit where they love you and they know you and they're keeping their heart turned towards you and they're fellowshipping with you throughout their day, even when they're busy. Lord, help them put boundaries in place not to live frantic, not to live disorganized, not to live uh, always... Uh, with too much on their plate because they can't know you in that environment. There must be peace. There must be time and peace.
Lord, let them carve out time with you and let them protect their peace. Their peace is more valuable than money. Their peace is more valuable than anything. They must have time and they must have peace in order for them to step over and get to know you and walk in the spirit properly. So I thank you that you help them, Spirit of God. You're helping me, you're helping them, and together we're going to fulfill the plan of God and we're going to see the mantle come to pass and we're going to see the surge and we're going to see the revival that you've promised. We're in a preparation season, Father, and we wholeheartedly receive that responsibility and you want us to be spending more time with you than ever before and I thank you that these people do it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless them, Father. I bless you as your pastor now. I bless you. I say the blood of Jesus be over every one of you. I say right now in the name of Jesus, the bloodline, I plead and apply by faith around their cars, their homes, their properties, their bodies from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet, a bloodline around all they own on every side. I say that nothing can cross that line. I say no sickness and plague can cross that line. I say no corona can cross that line or any other form of disease. I say no demon can cross that line. No destroyer, no accident, no failure, no poverty, no depression, no suicide. It cannot cross that line. No nightmare can cross that line. I apply the blood to every one of them and to their homes and their children and their workplaces. I declare that they will have a week of victory. I declare that they will step into the spirit more and get to know you, Father. I declare that their hunger for you is supreme, that they long for you, Lord Jesus. They long to walk in the spirit, not out of legalism, but out of a heart because they love you. I thank you, Father. I decree over them that they are safe, that they are prospered, and they come back the next time that they're at church till I see them again. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. That means you can't have accidents this week. That means you're not going to get sick this week. That means you're not going to have problems. You might have challenges, but you're safe. The blood of Jesus is over you. You're safe. You are under the umbrella called Promise of Life Church. If you just stay faithful and, and don't talk about me or the leaders or other people, walk in love and just stay in honor, I'm telling you, that umbrella will protect you.